0: Hi, welcome back to Sundry Thoughts Podcast. I'm your host, Carl. And today I'm going to switch things up a little bit. And I'm telling you now that I had a totally different episode ready to go, kind of locked and loaded as far as notes go. But what good is your own podcast if you can't talk about what's really on your mind, what's on your heart? So last night I was watching a YouTube video um, about Elon Musk, and I've really been kind of on an Elon Musk kick So today I'm going to be talking a bit about him. I'm going to talk about several of his quotes that I've just found just in different videos. And I'm going to try to relate that back to things like leadership and ways in which we as Christians can kind of adopt similar or adjacent mindsets to help us be better leaders, better Christians, better whatever we are. Right. So we're going to get into that now. So for those of you who don't know, Elon Musk is the CEO of Tesla Motors, as well as SpaceX, which according to Google is an aerospace manufacturer. I'm going to go ahead and call it a rocket ship company and also a company called The Boring Company. There might be another company in there. I think it's called SmartLink, where basically he is working to have these implants that is supposed to increase the productivity of the human brain. I don't know if it's own separate company or just like a project connected to Tesla, but Either way, he is entrepreneur extraordinaire. I often think about him as the real life Iron Man. He is actually in one of the Iron Man movies. I forget if it was one or two. I don't think it was three. But either way, he is uh, just an extraordinary person, once in a generation kind of figure, I believe. And he has a lot of good stuff to offer. And that's one reason I've been kind of on, uh, you know, an Elon Musk kick. My interest started with him, A few years back, I want to say in 2019, it was when I read his book, his biography by a guy called Ashley Vance. And I would encourage anyone who wants kind of a more complete picture, a fuller picture of who this guy is and how he works and his style to go read that book. Uh, It is a great read. It is kind of full of cursing because he do curse like a sailor, in my opinion. But it's a great read. And I think that some of the things I'm going to be talking about you can actually see the principles at play. You can see the principles at play in that book. So I would highly recommend that book. But without further ado, what I'm going to do here is just read through a couple quotes, explain my take on them and how I think they can help each of us in our daily lives as leaders. So the first quote I have written down, and I literally wrote these quotes down maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes before I recorded this podcast because I was like, I have to talk about this today. Um, these are all from YouTube. They're generally from the motivational videos you see of him, uh, but I'm g- you're gonna see in a few minutes why I think the best way to, I guess, kind of glean from his knowledge is literally to watch Elon talk unaided by like music or motivational or anything. Just watch the man speak or hear him speak rather. I mean, first of all, just the intelligence, you'll, you'll just hear it pouring from him. But I mean, the way he thinks about things I think is so helpful. The first quote I'm gonna give you He says this, and I quote, I'm available 24-7 to help solve issues. He's talking to his team right now. Someone had a camera, obviously. I'm available 24-7 to help solve issues. Call me at 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning. I don't care. So I'm going to repeat that, and then I'll go into why it hit me the way it hit me. I'm available 24-7 to help solve issues. Call me at 3 a.m. on Sunday morning. I don't care. So the first time I heard this, I was like, whoa, stop, pause the video. I have to stop this right now. I have to rewind it and I have to just listen to it three or four times because there is so much in this so much. So first of all, the word available is everything. He's a CEO of this company. Uh, I believe he was talking to his Tesla team. He could have been talking to the SpaceX team. No, I don't know. Either way, he is saying I am available. The reason why this is so important is because the leader of the company is telling the workers, it doesn't matter when you need me, I'm available. He's saying that there is no time that you could conceive for any reason that you, or there's no time that you can't call me rather. He's saying that it doesn't matter what time it is. I'm going to be available to you availability is so important when we start talking about servant leadership, right? If I'm going to be a servant, I cannot pick and choose when I'm going to serve. I can't say to myself or I can't say to the people I'm serving or the people I'm leading, I'm your servant. However, I need you to understand that I'm only going to serve in this very, very small, very like niche in very narrow way. And I don't take no customizations. I don't take you know, any kind of a la carte. It's just, you gonna take what I give you. No, 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 no. And we see that sort of thing from, or we have seen that sort of thing, especially traditionally from a lot of head guys, from a lot of like, you know, big dogs, from a lot of people who are at the top of the food chain. There's this very real restriction. There's this restriction on access. There's this restriction on time. There's a restriction on what you can come to me about and I get it and I'm not saying that Elon doesn't have that at his companies where it's the chain of command and all that stuff but whoever he was talking to he was telling them you people (laughs) whatever time it is I'm available and the second thing is this he says to help solve issues this hit me like a ton of bricks because he is assuming that there will be issues in this statement, he says I'm available twenty four seven to help solve issues. So what he's saying is that issues happen and I know they happen. And I want to let you know that I'm available to help you solve those issues. And this is so important because I remember I was uh when I first started working out of college, I was um working at this company and you know, we were all young, so we were doing a whole, oh, it's Monday sort of thing and i mean not that that's a young people thing but anyway we were just getting used to that and we were kind of happy to say it right and i remember one time after it had gotten old and we were really turning into like the cranky people someone was like yeah i feel like we just solve issues all day like it doesn't matter what our job title is it doesn't matter how much we get paid i just deal with issues all day long and i have to solve them and i remember it was maybe not even a year later I had I was I think I was at a church or it was some preacher or some person on YouTube, perhaps they were like, this is what people who are effective and who serve do. They solve issues like this is what your job title is. If you're a doctor, you're solving issues. If you are a bus operator, you are literally solving a problem because I can't get from A to B in a timely manner. And unless I get on this bus, if I don't have a car, it doesn't matter what you do. The odds are if you're doing something good or positive, you're solving an issue or you're helping to resolve an issue or you're alleviating a problem. You're doing something that's going to help someone. And if you're helping someone nine times out of 10, it's because if you didn't, there'd be some problem. (laughs) Right. Some problem would come as a result of you not doing what you do. And I remember thinking to myself when I heard him say that, like and this was later after I heard, you know, the preacher said I was like, yo, this guy gets it and he's he's not saying it in like a oh look at what i learned at you know seminary or look at what i've learned because i've read the bible and i adhere to the principles that the lord told me to Th- this guy just does this and so i think we could take a lesson as far as people who want to you know exhibit good leadership skills people who want to uh, exhibit kingdom excellence and understand okay you know what if i'm the leader of the ministry And a problem arises and someone calls me. Now, I'm not saying you got to be available at 3 a.m. on Sunday, but it is an attitude of, yeah, no, it's my responsibility. And if it comes to me, it's my responsibility. If the trash is not taken out and you're the pastor. That's nice, but it's still your responsibility, even though you don't take out the trash and you got people for that. Right. It's your responsibility because there is an issue. And you're here to help solve it. So that was really important to me uh, just to just to listen to and to see. Uh, so the second quote, he says this, he says, I don't believe that people should be experiencing hardship while the CEO is like off on vacation. So this is in response to a a journalist, uh, I forget her name, but she was asking him, he was telling her about his experiences. He was like, you know, well, it's been a lot of pain. And she was like, pain, question mark. And he said, yeah, pain. He was like I don't he was like I don't sleep on the the factory floor cuz it's a comfortable place to sleep. She was like, "Well, why do you sleep there?" He was like, "Cuz I couldn't get home to get a shower." And so she was like, "But why? Why why do you do that? Like why don't you just go home?" And he said, "Well, I don't believe that people should be experiencing hardship while the CEO is like off on vacation." So, Tesla when they were producing the Model Model 3, Elon Musk always refers to that as days of production hell. He says those were the worst days of his life. Uh, I believe he did experience a nervous breakdown at some point, uh, either around that time or during the financial crisis of 2008, which those two things might've coincided. And so he's saying though, I'm not going to be off, you know, at the, you know, in the islands, I'm not going to be away on vacation I'm not going to be in, you know, St. Thomas or, you know, wherever. And everyone's back here just like pulling their hair out. He's saying, I don't believe that I should do that as a CEO. He said, I don't believe any CEO should do that. So that's what kind of leader he is. And it's not because like someone told him to be like that. That's because this is what he believes. So I feel like as far as Christians go, as far as people who want to do the right thing and to, uh, exemplify the right principles i think we have to be the leaders that are there and present and it's the it's the image of boss versus leader uh that you see on social media sometimes where the boss is sitting you know on a chair and the people are carrying him and pulling and pushing forward and he's you know using kind of like the the old school you know whip to 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 hit him to say go on and a picture under that as the leader Where he's in front and he's pointing and he's saying forward, but he is the he is the person at the front of the line. He is experiencing all of the ache and the pain that they are. And you get a certain level of devotion out of people when you're willing to do that. That's to say nothing of just its intrinsic rightness. You get a certain level of respect and, you know, there's a certain level of work that is produced by everyone because the leader produces it from the top down so quote number three is why i said earlier that i think the best way to consume or glean from elon is to really just listen to him talk straight i would say that that's probably what he'd prefer now i got all these quotes from the inspirational uplifting videos so definitely watch those as well but i think the The real appreciation comes in just listening to him talk the way he talks, how he processes every question. A lot of people have commented how he answers every question with the same level of like gravity and seriousness and thought. And I think it's a beautiful thing. But this quote says, and I quote, I think my sort of drive to get it done is somewhat disconnected from hope, enthusiasm or anything else. I actually just don't care about hope or enthusiasm, motivation, I just give it everything I've got, irrespective of what the circumstances may be. So he says, my drive is somewhat disconnected from hope, enthusiasm or anything else. He says, really, I don't I don't really care about it. And when I was reading Elon's book, it really showed that he didn't really like and a lot of the people who were work who had worked for him and who uh Mr. Vance was interviewing for the book. They were like, yeah, yeah this is tough. Like, you're not going to get a whole lot of like, you know, oh, are you okay? You're not going to get a whole lot of oh my goodness, this was so wonderful. He's going to give you a good job, but then after that it's on to the next thing. That's how he is. That's how he works. However, this is what allowed him and allows him to do what no one else tried to do. He was the laughing stock of literally the entire automotive industry, as far as the big wigs and the executives and the C-level people, they were laughing at him. Tesla was a joke, Elon Musk was a joke, but now they're all trying to catch up to him. (laughs) And the reason why he was able to do that, in my opinion, is because he's not stuck on like the derivatives. So if faith produces work, and that work inspires others. Elon is actually not he's on he's on the faith part, right? He's on the work part. Like his thing is work, 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 work. And it's because it's how he's wired. He's an engineer and he is true to who, you know, he says he is. In a lot of these interviews, he. He's telling people, I'm an engineer. Um, He likes to tinker. He likes to work. He likes to improve. He likes to make improvements upon the improvement. He likes different iterations. He likes innovating. And so that's what he does. And he's not really wired to be fueled by the thought of the creation. He's more wired, it seems to me, by actually getting in there and creating it. And whenever you're trying to get something done you need someone who has that kind of like feedback, you know, loop. You need someone who has that um, you know, motivation factor. Someone who is motivated not by like what, you know, we could talk about that could be great, but what we're doing that is great and that is going to be better next year and better the next year and just going to continue to be better cuz we're going to keep improving it. So, I think that's so powerful and I think when you start talking about CEOs. I mean, Elon Musk has so many of these motivational videos that people have created for him because, you know, (laughs) he is just so motivational. I don't think beyond Tim Cook or besides Tim Cook, not Tim Cook, excuse me, besides Steve Jobs, there's not been another CEO who's been this inspirational. The part of the reason I'm making this podcast is I feel like he is our like Einstein. He is our Newton and, you know, I'm trying to give him his flowers in a public way. And so I've never seen someone who cares so little about motivation who is so motivational. <laughs> he's he's like, yeah, I don't really care about that. And it's and you can tell from his book, but still he is. And it's uh I, I believe it was I don't remember quite who said it. I don't know if it was a C.H. uh essay I was reading or uh someone else i was reading but they were talking about how eloquence. some people think of eloquence as you know beautiful speaking they think of it as diction and timing and voice quality but i think it was spurgeon who was saying it's more about the subject and your passion for i I do believe it was spurgeon he was saying it's more about the passion you have for the subject and the knowledge you have on the subject and the conviction that you're speaking with that's what makes a person eloquent and if you listen to alan talk he is not traditionally or conventionally eloquent. He is eloquent because he means every word that he says, and he is going to do what he said he's going to do. Here's the second part beyond this. Look at this. I'm, I'll read this part the second time. He says, I just give it everything I've got, irrespective of what the circumstances may be. This is so powerful because it shows that, first of all, you know, as he said, and this, this, these are his words, not mine, he he might be a little bit crazy, but in, you know, the vein of Michael Todd. And for those of you who don't know, Michael Todd, his his stick right now and probably will forever be is big, crazy faith. And it's a beautiful thing because it is the thing that you have to like stretch out to believe. It's the thing that like strains credulity. It's the thing that people are like, I don't even know, like, why? How are you even thinking about that? Those are the things that change the world. Those are the things that impact people. Those are the things that provide mass scale, you know, solutions for people and just improve society. And so I think when he says, I just give it everything I've got, I don't think he's saying it as like a trope or like, you know, just kind of jargon, you know, he got from a sports movie. Like, and I'll, this this will be a part of the next quote for sure, but just to bleed into uh into that quote, I really think he leaves it all out on the line. Like, I think the reason why he had a nervous breakdown at one point is because he just doesn't know how to not give more, even though it's like, you know, logic says that there's not always going to be more, you know, you're a finite being with finite resources and finite energy and finite, you know, aptitude, but he just doesn't know how to not give more. And I think that's a beautiful thing when you talk about having faith that you can do something and that something is going to get done. I think it's I think it's wonderful. And I remember he was talking about Tesla and talking about how, you know, he thought that the company had a 30 percent chance of surviving. So that he thought that 70 there was a 70 percent chance that Tesla would fail. And so the interviewer was like, so like, how'd you you know, how'd you continue when it really looked like your prediction was going to come true. But he was like, how did you, how did you keep going when it looked so bad? He said, having a company is like having a baby. He was like, you know, it might look grim. He said, not continuing is like telling your baby they can't have food. I mean, the way I looked at it was like Tesla needed money and he was pouring his entire, his entire net worth into tesla he was he was personally broke he owed people money he he tells this often if tesla would have won under he would have literally been in debt to several people and so he said well how did you keep doing it he was like well you know how do you tell your baby they can't have food i gotta give it all my money and i think that's what distinguishes him from other ceos by the by the way I feel like a lot of CEOs, I feel like a lot of leaders, especially when they have, when they're not founders, they don't have the attitude of like, yeah, I'm going to go personally broke for this. Like I'll just, they're going to wrap it up long before that, because I can just start a new company. <laughs> You're right. Like this is business. It didn't work out. So I'm going to fold this up and move on. And I'm not saying that's like the, the wrong thing to do, but this is very important for us as Christians because, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, switch to super deep, but just hear me out if the Lord called you to do something right, you can't just fold it up and say, well, it ain't work. So I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna give it up, Lord. I'm done. You can't let go of a calling like that. <laughs> you know, you ain't going to just stop, you know, witnessing. You ain't just going to stop preaching. You ain't just going to stop teaching. You ain't just going to stop serving. You're not. And even when it looks the worst, You're going to have to keep going and you should keep going and it should be something where it's like like Paul said, "Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Um, And so I think that can really help us when we start thinking about what we do. Right. It's not just it's not it's not just that I am a preacher or I am a teacher right now. It's not just that, oh, you know, it's my job it's my occupation. No, it's a calling right and so because of that i'm not just going to lay it down so that's quote number three let's move on to quote number four so quote number four is the last and it is the most indelible uh for me it is the most touching to me is the one i saw last night so perhaps it is just fresh but i don't think so this one was haunting in a beautiful way and i'm gonna actually put this video on uh, the Sundry Thoughts podcast, Facebook. So go follow that page if you're not already, please. Uh, I'll put the video there. This one is uh, he was ha- he was interviewing with a guy from it was uh, 60 Minutes, I believe. And so the guy asked him what he thought about Neil Armstrong and Gene Cernan testifying against commercial sp- space flight in the way that Elon Musk was and is developing it. And Neil Armstrong, obviously a famous astronaut, so was Gene uh, Cernan. I hadn't heard of Gene Cernan, but Elon Musk knew these guys. He was clearly shaken up. You got to watch the video because I'm just not going to be able to do it justice. But nevertheless, I'll read what he said. Um, So the interview goes, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Neil Armstrong, Gene Cernan, you know, how does that make you feel? Elon Musk says, and I quote, I was very upset to see that. Because those guys are, yeah, gets choked up. You know, those guys are heroes of mine. So it was really tough. You know, I'd wish they'd come and visit and see the hardware or hard work. I think he said hardware that we're doing here. And I think that would change their mind. So the interviewer says, they inspired you to do this, didn't they? And Elon Musk with tears in his eyes literally like you can see the tears like just right at the precipice he just says yes and at this point he's answering one word because he tends to do that but in a later like a few seconds later the interviewer asks him another question and he answers in one word but it took him a while and you could tell he was he was about to break down and this is this was so haunting to for me because Elon Musk is not that guy who is sentimental. You know, we talked about his quote about, you know, I really don't care about motivation, blah, blah, blah. He's not that guy, you know, not that I can see anyway. And he wasn't seeming to try to produce that effect. It wasn't like he was, you know, just so happy to, you know, be on camera, you know, talking about, oh, I'm so hurt. Like it wasn't that kind of display. But what it showed was that he was honestly doing something because he was inspired by two men among, I'm assuming, you know, some others. And they were kind of an instrumental part of him doing this very thing. And they were, as the interviewer put it later, casting stones at him. But the beautiful thing actually came in the comments. Someone said, uh, you've surpassed your own heroes." when you're at this point and i thought this was this was so beautiful because really what it showed was that they just didn't understand this was this interview was years and years ago it was like uh it was late as 2018 but i believe it was like 2015 or something like that honestly uh but you'll you can go back and check the the timestamp. but the point being is that They just didn't understand what was happening they didn't understand that it could be safe they didn't know that it would be a successful uh spacex would have successful um launches and relaunches and would be able to reuse the rocket uh, or the part of the rocket that no one else has you know managed to do uh i was looking at something the other day and they were talking about how there have only been four entities to successfully launch rockets and have them come back down out of orbit. And those entities, all three of them are countries, the US, China, and Russia. And the fourth entity is literally a man named Elon Musk and his company, SpaceX. And it's its one of those things where it's like, I mean, it was just really haunting. And when the person in the comments said, you've surpassed your own heroes at this point, it made me think about the part of the quote where he said, I wish this, he was like a child at this moment. Like, I mean, it was almost like watching a child, like say, I I wish that you had come to the game or the rehearsal, right? Like it was high drama here, folks. So he said, no, no, I wish they'd come and visit and see what we're doing here. He said, then I think it changed their mind. So let me let me say this and then and then uh, then, we'll, then I'll let you go soon. We don't know who who's watching us. We don't know who looks up to us. We don't know what our actions of yesteryear inspired in someone else. We don't know what our body of work has meant for someone else. And that body of work doesn't have to be a portfolio of stocks or it doesn't have to be a portfolio of you know master paintings it doesn't have to be work going to the moon it could simply be you being you it could be your smile it could be you know your conversation your empathy uh and all this good stuff and I mean I really don't know how else to put this except for we have to be careful of what we say when people are i mean they they want nothing else but for us to just. Hey, come and look, you know, and it's easy to be a critic. And I'm not mad at them for expressing their opinion. Let me make that clear. You know, they at the time, they just couldn't see. They didn't. I mean, they didn't believe it. I'm not mad at them. What I do think it provides us a caution to do, though, is to not be the person who someone is doing something wonderful. Someone's doing something maybe a little weird, maybe something we can't understand. They're doing something a little off the beaten path. And we criticize without actually trying to understand. And what was so heartbreaking about this whole, you know, question was the fact that he actually said, I wish they'd come. And. I can't help but think that at that moment when he was, whenever he realized it, whenever he heard it, whenever someone played it for him, when he heard them say that, I can't help but think that the only thing he was thinking was, why haven't they called? Why haven't they been interested? Why haven't they asked questions? I would love to show them because they are my heroes. And, you know, here they are saying what you're doing is unsafe what you're doing is irresponsible or what have you. And we just have to be careful. We don't want to be that person. We don't want to, you know, crush someone in that way. And isn't this is not me telling you not to say negative things if, you know, if they're true when someone asks you and you're just being honest. My thing is, have you looked? Have you heard? Have you listened? Have you checked it out? Have you investigated especially when it comes to people who, you know, they have nothing but respect. Hopefully they did get there. Hopefully they did get a chance to check it out. If I ever get the chance to interview him, that's one of the first questions I'm asking. So that's it for the Elon Musk quotes. Let me say in closing, before I wrap up the podcast, I really feel like this guy is once again, a generational figure and uh, someone who really is kind of a walking instruction manual on leadership. And I think just from his example, we can glean so much good information as far as leadership and humanity, really, too. Um, If you are a leader in any way, you can be a business leader, you can be a leader of a nonprofit, you can be a leader in your home, you can be a church leader. At the end of the day, we have to have that servant's attitude. Uh, And I'm just gonna go back through the quotes real quick uh, in you know, kind of like summary, but we have to have the mindset that I'm a servant and I am available for whatever issues may come and they will come. So I'm just letting you know I'm available and it might not be 24 seven, but here it's not actually about the hours, right? It's about the availability. Have you ever been to a store and someone was like, Hey, like, how can I help you Did you find everything? Okay. And then you go to another store and it's like, eh, what can I help you with? What? you said what? Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> he wasn't ready. That second one, I want no parts of that, right? That is a, it's the difference between availability, right? The first person is, you know, happy to help. And they're not telling you that you can have their kidney. They're just helpful. And they're going to leave when their shift is over, just like the other person. But the attitude is everything. So uh, we have to be available and we have to have that level of responsibility. And that goes into the second point about You know, I don't think that the CEO should be on vacation. We don't want, we want to be in the trenches with the people, right? Because we are the people. We're just, we just have different titles and different roles, but I'm going to love my neighbor like I love myself. And that is, that is not exclusive to like people who share my job title, right? That's my neighbor is another, is the next man or the next woman, right? And so I think just as far as leadership is concerned, Uh, I mean, it's just so much we can glean as well as from the heartbreak. Right. You know, he was talking to or he was talking about his heroes and they had said some negative words and I'm sure they weren't being nasty about it. They weren't being, you know, I hate this guy or anything like that, but it hurt. And I think uh, and this is probably especially true. And, you know, from my experience, this is especially true, you know, when you are, you know, in a setting like, you know, a church leadership where, you know, you kind of got your guard down, you're expecting everybody to be nice and everybody to be sweet. Listen, <laughs> sometimes people are going to come for you. They're going to come for what you're doing and how you're doing it because they don't like it. And all, you can't take it personal to the point where it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to dislike them back. Uh, That's, you know, not biblical really either, but it's going to hurt nonetheless, right? And if you're doing anything, let me just, let me just put it out. And I know this podcast is getting long. Y'all bear with me. Some things going to hurt. People going to hurt you. People are going to let you down. They're going to make you sad sometimes. However, if you're going to do anything, if you're going to put yourself out there, if you're going to put the Lord out there and thereby, you know, be his mouthpiece. So you gonna have to be out there, too. You know, some things are going to come your way that are not going to feel so great. But we have to persevere and it's all good to be, you know, motivated and inspired. But some days we're not going to feel like that. You ain't going to feel motivated and inspired. Sometimes it's going to be Tuesday. And it's going to be raining and it's going to be cold and the dog is getting on your nerves and the kids and what have you. Whatever your situation is, I just threw a bunch out there. <laughs> Matters not. You got to do what you have to do and your calling does not change based upon how you feel on a particular day or a particular week or a particular year. It don't matter what happened. You got to do what the Lord told you to do. And you got to get it done. And that's really, and if you got to let people go, hey, listen, you distracted me. I mean, you ain't got to tell them that like that, but hey, you were distracting me from my purpose. I got to let you go, dog. I got to let you go, sis. So we got to do what we got to do in that way. Let me say, lastly, everyone should have someone they can glean from as far as these kind of lessons, preferably somebody who is up close and personal, but you know, all the same get you an author, you know, get you, uh, you know, someone like an Elon Musk where you can listen to them speak and they inspire you because, you know, that's always going to be a good thing. Obviously, it's no uh, substitute for the discipline, but this is how we learn. This is how we grow. And this is how we are able to communicate and to really get on the same page so that we can spread the gospel. It's probably going to be better for you to spread the gospel to an engineer while you're working or tinkering on something that they're also interested in, right? Um, and you could invite them to your church, but if you right there on the floor with them, talk to them, right? And that's that goes for every profession. So this is getting a little bit long. It's been real as always. These are early days of the podcast. If you have any thoughts as far as what can be improved, let me know on the Facebook page. Put it in the Q and A on Anchor. Love y'all. I'm out.